My guest today is Katie Hill, whose broadcast career is so wildly impressive, it would take the whole hour of this episode to list her achievements. Because I always thought when I, when I was the shyest kid in school, and I always thought when I land that job on Blue Peter, which by the way, I wanted to do since I was five, um, when I land that job on Blue Peter, I will be this confident, gregarious person. And the biggest shock was landing the job and still being terrified. Don't be the tall poppy. Why not? Be the freaking tall poppy. Let everyone look at you and stand out from the crowd and be amazing. Oh, the shame, the show off shame. Well, show off. I'm all about people showing off. People get these awful diagnoses and then start living this incredible life. Well, I'd love to not have to wait for that moment for me. I'd love to live that anyway. My guest today is Katie Hill, whose broadcast career is so wildly impressive, it would take the whole hour of this episode to list her achievements. However, the highlights are that she was a presenter on the iconic British children's television show, Blue Peter, presented another iconic show in the music chart show, Top of the Pops, BBC's travel show, Holiday, and she has worked with TV legends, including the much loved and dearly recently departed Michael Parkinson. Katie was born in Poole and went to school in Romford, and it was actually a placement, read Working for Free, at BBC Essex Radio that started this incredible career in broadcasting. As we meet her today, Katie is a personal development and empowerment coach, speaker, podcaster, broadcaster and writer, and she runs Limitless by Katie Hill, which offers one-to-one -one coaching, keynote speaking, workshops and online courses. How did Katie announce the launch of Limitless by Katie Hill? Oh, just alongside a woman called Erin Brockovich at the Ignite conference at Universal Studios in Florida in 2018. If you're listening to this episode and you're feeling stuck, unfulfilled, frustrated, overwhelmed, as though you've lost yourself, then Katie really is the person you need to listen to today. Welcome to the Emma Gunn Show, Katie. I'm so excited to be here. I want to meet the person you just described. I feel like that with all your guests, though. I'm like, wow, they're amazing. Um, this is so lovely. And it's always so weird when someone introduces you because it feels like you're at your own funeral, which is very morbid <laughs> thing to think about. But it's, it's tough. And it's funnily enough, jumping straight in, this is something I get my clients to do. And I call it the name in lights exercise because <laughs> when you are in the public eye, you do have articles written about you and people introducing you like you just did. Any Anybody listening to this, if we took your life and read out all of the accolades and all of the amazing things you've achieved personally and professionally, you would look at it and go, oh my God, I am amazing. But nobody ever does. And so when I get my clients to do this, and we'll get onto my coaching, but it's such a powerful thing. And so anyone listening who's going, you know, wow, that sounded amazing. Do it for yourself. I promise you, you will stand taller after it. It's an amazing exercise. That's so interesting. So Did hello. You... Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hi. And I'm, I'm also going straight in because I'm thinking, I know that sometimes people will say to me, for example, about some of my magazine career or things that I've been able to go to, as I'm sure this has happened to you. And my immediate response is to minimize them or tell them the worst thing about that thing. So I somehow make it less impressive. Yeah, interesting. Yes, totally. And I think that's 
quite a woman thing. We've been quite taught to shrink ourselves. Like, you know, I, I've got a gorgeous client at the moment and she was always told, don't be the tall poppy. Mm. Why not be the freaking tall poppy? Let everyone look at you and stand out from the crowd and be amazing. But I think we've, we've so kind of wanted to blend in and this kind of perfectionism that we all have chased through our lives. Um, you know, we were also told as children, don't show off. Um, was a big one for a lot of women, particularly um, getting told not to show off. Like that was the that was the most horrendous thing. Do you remember if you were out in public or you had family round or mm. somebody round for Sunday lunch? If one of your parents said, "Don't show off," mm. oh, the shame, the show off shame. Well, yeah. show off. I'm all about people showing off, and I think we've buried so much because we don't want to be the show off. We don't want to be the tall poppy. That when you start to um, dig deep and uncover everything that's there it's amazing how how powerful we are and how much we've all individually achieved when we just take the time to go inward and mm -hmm. be brave about owning everything that we are it's such a it, it when you lay it out like that it sounds quite easy and it's like well obviously mm. I should do that but it's so hard isn't it yeah it's so hard and I think we're just we're hardwired to fit in and we're hardwired to not you know put our head above the parapet I mean fear of failure comes into it you know that's why so many of us live smaller lives for want of a better word than we're capable of living because you know we are hardwired for comfort we're hardwired for the status quo this is what human nature is this is what keeps us safe um but I like to flip it and I think there's so much that we can take from the pandemic years, however awful they were, and they were awful. There are learnings we can take from them. And actually, I think it's beautiful. Um, so there's a principle in physics called the law of inertia. Um, and it states that uh, uh, an object will keep moving at the same project, uh, trajectory unless acted on by an outside force, right? So if you throw a ball, for example, it's going to keep going the way that you threw it unless somebody whacks it with a bat and it goes in another direction. Likewise, in our lives, we go in the same direction unless something massive happens. Well, I, the pandemic was massive. Life as we knew it disappeared. It was like this global reset. And so actually, rather than um, feeling kind of discombobulated by that uncertainty, I encourage people to lean into it because this feeling of vulnerability is what we naturally move heaven and earth to avoid. But we're in it. We're vulnerable. Like whether you like it or not, with everything happening in the world right now, we're all vulnerable. So how can you use that? How can you use that to enable you to be braver? Because this secure life, isn't there anymore so okay great let's lean into this vulnerability let's do a few brave things and see what happens and potentially live bigger as a result um you know i think i think the pandemic was huge for everybody and ariana huffington um gave an amazing uh, quote during the pandemic and she said nothing should return to normal normal wasn't working if we return to normal we've lost the lesson we need to rise and do better and we all returned to normal, right? That's what happened. We had these amazing life realizations potentially in the pandemic of, I don't want to commute or I want my time with my family or whatever it was. Um, we all made these promises to ourselves 
a bit like when you're ill or you think you've got something terribly wrong and you make all these promises to God, like we made all these promises to our lives of, okay, I'll do better. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll, you know, spend more time with my family. I'll prioritize me more. I'll spend less time scrolling and comparing. And then we've just gone back, you know, and to really kind of take time is, is why clients come to me because they want to take stock and they know that life isn't working. It feels off but they don't know why. And so that's what we deep dive on. Um, it's it's yeah. interesting, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about a conversation I had with Annabelle Rifkin from The Mid-Alt, when we were t- middle of the lockdowns and she said, I just know one thing for sure, Emma, and that's that I don't want things to go back to normal. Exactly as you said, but then I think yeah. the fact that normal kind of came up over the horizon of like, actually you can go to the cinema again, you can go into the supermarket, not one at a time. I think everybody yeah. really just was drawn to that familiarity and familiarity I think can be another sort of yes. landmine, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, familiarity is the same as comfort and we are hardwired for comfort. Like that's why people start one job when they're 20 and leave when they're 50 because mm. they get used to it right it's the same old same old and and actually I think it's it is the big moments in life that can end up being massive gifts for us it is the huge relationship breakup it is the life-changing things that happen that have the potential to create space for this incredible exponential growth because if we just carry on in a kind of I think the most dangerous kind of life, truthfully, is when you feel it's okay. It's kind of meh. There's no great lows, but there's no great highs as a consequence either. That's, I think, the most dangerous. It's a bit like when you're in a relationship and you're like, yeah, it's it's okay. It's plodding on. Hell no. Like, you are either in love or get out. Like, I I have no time for kind of the middle road stuff because I think life can be so short. Um, I I had a stupid accident at home, having just trained as a coach, having, as you said, announced it on stage with Erin Brockovich. Um, I was all excited for this new career. I was loving life. I was living all out and I was chasing my daughter to the loo at half seven in the morning and I had a, a an accident at home. It was so stupid, but I was very aware in that moment as I lay waiting for the ambulance, thinking honestly that might have been the end for me, that life can change in a heartbeat. And it rocket fueled me on this journey I'm now on because I think it's so easy to live like we're going to be here forever, like a kind of gluttonous life, just assuming we've got till we're 90. None of us know, you know, and I think people get these awful diagnoses and then start living this incredible life. Well, I'd love to not have to wait for that moment for me. I'd love to live that anyway, you know, and trying to get that urgency um, is is what I kind of try and help people to do because it's, you know, it's really important that we're all living this. um, and, And I, you know, describe myself as a success coach, but success is whatever it means to you. There is no blueprint for success. What's success for one person is not for another. And I think that's really important. Like this is what it is with coaching. It's about each individual finding their fire, like finding the thing that sets their soul on fire and making sure that they're living their truth. And it all comes back to 
my journey as a presenter because I always thought when I when I was the shyest kid in school and I always thought when I land that job on Blue Peter which by the way I wanted to do since I was five um when I land that job on Blue Peter I will be this confident gregarious person and the biggest shock was landing the job and still being terrified and actually I had to take night nurse for the first two months before any live show because I couldn't sleep because I had to knock myself out um and I think it's easy to think that fulfillment is that destination it's the job it's the relationship it's the house and it's not being fulfilled is being fulfilled every damn day and that's the thing that people miss out on and so i learned that at 24 and it honestly made me want to go to it sounds a bit dramatic but it made me want to go to everyone on their deathbed and go that thing you always wanted to do that job you always wanted to do you know because to land that kind of job at that time was number one a game changer of a thing to happen to my life but number two something quite a lot of people wanted to do and so we can all outsource our fulfillment and happiness to some future event or job or whatever it is some future scenario and actually it's about feeling aligned with who you truly are at the core living your true life every single day that destiny we've all had it you land the job and then you go oh it's not quite my life hasn't really changed that much the job's great but i still got all the same fears and you know all of that stuff um and so i learned that at 24 and i think that probably was a massive lesson for me to learn in terms of living every day and finding fulfillment every day were you so you said you had wanted that job since you were five so you so there's a huge amount of pressure on that job to deliver a certain feeling or yeah. whatever it might have been, what would you say to yourself now? Forget about speaking to people on their deathbed. deathbed. It's your first day, Katie Hill, at the BBC, recording your first ever episode of Blue Peter. What would you time yeah. travel to whisper into your ear? Oh, my God. Just, oh, enjoy every moment. Literally love every moment. And I did, and I truly did, because I got to do amazing stuff. Um but it was very much, um, it was really sink or swim. Like you can look at a show like that and assume, okay, you land a job on Blue Peter. And then it's like you go to the Blue Peter University and they teach you how to be a presenter. No, no, no. You land the job on Blue Peter. They put a microphone on you. They put an earpiece in your ear so you can hear what people are saying to you. And they shove you out onto a live studio floor. I mean, literally, that's what happens. And it, you just have to work it out. And, you know, and I remember vividly the first ever show. I mean, it was horrendous. I was presenter number 22. Somebody had the great idea. Let's set the whole show in 1922. So not only did was I terrified, I didn't look like me. So you imagine like taking away how you are comfortable looking. So I had my hair in kind of waves. It was a bit, um, what, House Fing of Elliot. Fing was it called House of Elliot? It was, I was Awful. just thinking that. Yeah, it was the not, yeah. not pink curls, sorry, finger. Are they called finger curls? Yeah. They used to, used to squeeze it's, them with loads of mousse. Okay, that look is probably my worst look. If you had to say, what do you not want to look like? Is that? So I had, I looked like I had a short bob and then it was all kind of greased down. I had this awful dress 
and then you're trying to look comfortable and they went and here she is presenter number 22 katie hill and i walk out literally look like a robot like i'm so uncomfortable because i'm on television live and i look like that i mean it was and then I, for some reason, spoke like the queen. I was like, hello. I mean, awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was so thrilled the next show when I got to go on and be me. Um, and, there, you know, there's no worse feeling than when you're being forced to be something you're not. Um, and I and I loved it. And I did end up loving it. And I did end up working it all out and, you know, um, having the most amazing six years on the show. But um, it was very much that show that I wanted to do. And so actually when it led on to a broadcast career, which was amazing by the way, you know, then in 2017, I was presenting Heart Breakfast, again, an amazing gig, but I just felt like life didn't feel very me. I was living in a life that had unfolded, which is what we do. You go with where the work is, right? But suddenly I was like a little bit like, how did I get here? Like I wanted to jump out of planes because I was a child of the seventies and girls were given sewing kits back then. Like there'd mm. been no girl power when I was a kid and Blue Peter was the place I saw women doing all this incredible stuff I wanted to do. You know, I was the girl who was always riding my bike too fast to keep up with my brother, climbing trees with him. Like I was all about equality and that wasn't what I was seeing. You know, he'd get some really cool commando for Christmas and I'd get a sewing kit or a flute or something awful. Um, and, and that was the place. Like, so for me, it was about more than a job, I suppose. It was this space where I felt like I would be able to be me. And, mm. um, and what was amazing about it was that it was this incredible because I mean, at the time there were four TV channels, right? So, I'm under no illusion that we were ma we were massively popular, but equally there wasn't a lot of choice. <laughs> so um, we you did become a household name overnight. You know, you had 12 million people watching you three times a week. Life is going to change quite drastically. Um, but what I love now is that kind of back then, you know, you were doing all of this fearless stuff and there was this whole generation watching you do that and going, oh my gosh, I could do that. Or, you know, and and, and just the other day I had a woman stop me. Um, I was on the tube in London and I heard, you know, when you can hear someone running, like I was almost slightly alarmed and I turned around, bless this woman, she could hardly breathe. And she's like, are you Katie Hill? And I was like, yes, I am. And she's like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you, you're the reason I'm a brain surgeon. I was like, uh, what? And we had such a lovely chat on the platform and she'd said you know that she grew up in an environment and they weren't particularly nurturing to girls and then she saw me doing all of that and realized you could do amazing stuff and i suppose now for me i feel like i spent my early career equipping and empowering girls to play big and now that's what i do in coaching so it feels a bit like life's come full circle and in a way that was all leading me to here it's yeah it's amazing can I ask you about leaving Blue Peter? And this is very much me projecting based on my own life experience. But you were there for six years. Why did you leave? I left because it started getting hard. And I always knew I had such a love for the show. It was truly like I'd grown up with such a passion for that particular show. The minute I started resenting the early mornings or the whatever, I wanted to make sure I left it on a high. Mm. And there's only so many 
films you can make with the RAF. There's only so many times you can, um, you know, uh, all the brake jump out of a plane, for example, or drive a fast car. And and at some point, the films would start going in the diary, and I did. I wasn't as excited about them as mm. I used to be. Um, and I think that was when I knew it was time to go. And they really wanted me to stay. They were like, "We'll we'll give you. We'll do anything to make to get you to stay." And I was like, I always said I wanted to leave on a high because I had seen presenters who had stayed too long and mm. really got a bit resentful about it because it is a relentless schedule. Like people see you three times a week, but you're never home. You're literally yeah. from the studio on a taxi bike to a station, you know, potentially on an overnight train filming the next day. It, it was a lot and I loved every second, but I always knew that I wanted to leave on a high. I truthfully could have done more, years more. I could have done five more years quite happily. Um, but I was kind of ready for something new, I think, by then. The reason I ask yeah. is because in a very similar way, I got I got a dream job, my dream job. And I think one of the reasons I stayed, I stayed for 10 years, nearly 10 years. And I, my biggest challenge with it actually was without another dream job to go to, I didn't know how to let it go. There was almost mm. something like, I don't want to let it go until something better comes along. <laughs> And so in the you end, stayed I... until you had the no. Net. In the end, circumstances <laughs> circumstances forced my hand. In the end, I was offered voluntary redundancy, and I thought actually a pot of money to then yeah. find the next dream scenario would be better than yeah. staying. But I but I I now realise wow. I stayed for so long because I actually didn't know how to how to leave it. Yeah, and I think that's that's the interesting thing because we all have mortgages to pay right so when you're in a job you know and, and often clients come to me when they have been made redundant because they have got that pot of money they've got time on their side mm. and we can get really clear on who they are today you know we all change so much year to year it's like a lot of people if you're still in the job you were in at 20 when you're 40 you know let's see what a new adventure could be and I think it's such an exciting world we're in right now where people have portfolio careers. You know, the days of you become a lawyer at 20 and you leave at 65 are sort of behind us, really. And people constantly pivot their career because your skill set can go into so many different arenas. That's what's beautiful these days, you know. And, and so actually um, what I do with a lot of clients, if they're not redundant, is work with them when they're in a role because it's not necessarily that you need a new role like it might be it might be you want to leave one industry and go into another but equally it might be that you need to add things into your day to make life feel more fulfilled in that role that you're in you know not everyone that comes to me starts some amazing new career or starts a business or whatever um it's just about getting clear on you and you might go, actually, I love what I do. I just don't love this element. Or if we build more of this into it, or how can we set your day up so it supports you better? Um, that's interesting. So, and then how, then were you grateful when you, when you left? Well, no, because ultimately, it, no, what, grateful for having had the experience. No, sorry, grateful for the fact that you were offered redundancy. And so it kind of forced your hand, but in a kind of safer way. 
Yes, yes. I mean, the circumstances, they're too complicated and long-winded to go into now. But it was, I mean, I, it was, it was absolutely time. And also I was just wasn't happy anymore. And you know how yeah. you said that when you saw the filming go into the diary, you'd be like, oh, this again. And you almost perhaps on autopilot. I remember, yeah. <laughs> this is going to sound so terrible. I remember seeing Elton John's white tie and tiara in the diary and just thinking and just tutting. Whereas the first year I was there, oh, wow. I, was, <laughs> I was so excited. I might get to go. I was just, but then it was like, oh yeah, this again. It had become so routine and I'm somebody and I'd be curious to know if this is something that you deal with 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 your with your coaching clients I am somebody for whom routine to a certain extent is excellent so getting up at the same time every day working out a certain number of times a week making sure that certain other boxes are ticked in in terms of lifestyle habits but if it comes to routine if I get the same train into London every day same train back I I atrophy absolutely Yeah. yeah yeah Because you have to keep it disruptive and you have to stay fresh and keep mixing it up. And and I, I'm exactly the same. I remember when I was doing my coach training, I got on a commuter tube for the first time, probably since I was on Blue Peter, like rush hour tube. In fact, before Blue Peter, it was when I used to work as a PA at the BBC and I used to travel in from Essex every single day into Liverpool Street. It was that exact thing you're saying I knew if I was at this point of the platform you know 7.58 I'd be okay but if I wasn't at that point I'd miss that door and Mm. like to the like you get quite professional at it don't you and I remember waiting for this commuter train and then getting on it and then and then I got to the coach training and they you know they always open it up with does anyone have anything to share and I was like yes I was like I can never commute again like that like this like you wouldn't you wouldn't be actually allowed to transport livestock across London on one of those trains. You wouldn't be allowed, hundred percent. Yeah, and I yet just humans are doing it every day. Yeah, I but I just for, for me, it's I I really enjoy the free and freelance, which is I either go in super early and miss like some bankers are on the train, or I go in after the rush. And I understand that's yeah. a privilege. I really, really do. But I know that when I have done jobs where I had to be at my desk at a certain time and leave at a certain time and no earlier. I just felt so, I felt like part of me would switch off. Yeah. And then in those moments, it is about being disruptive though. And it's about recognizing that for anyone who does commute, recognizing that in yourself and going, right, how can I, how can I best support myself in this? Do I need to switch up my train times? Do I need to switch up the time I start at work? Like, what is it that's going to have me? If you have to commute and you have to be in the office at a certain time, how can I make this work for me? What do I need to listen to? Like, what podcasts are going to best support me? You know, Mm. and this is going to sound so random, but when I was going into the coaching room and I'm standing on the platform and it was so packed and I was like, this is horrendous. I just was like, let me let me do an experiment on myself because I was just starting out on my journey. And I stood on the platform and I shut my eyes. And as the train came in, you know, that wind kind of hits that whoosh, you. Yeah. And in my mind, I visualized that I was I visualized that I was Moana on her boat, you know, when she's like on the boat holding onto the mast. Never seen and it. I took myself off to this. I took myself off to this like Bora Bora type beach and, and it was amazing. And then suddenly I got on the train. I was like, okay, that felt better. 
so there is stuff that you can do to support you to you know show up better when you have to have those moments but yeah i think um it is absolutely a privilege being a freelancer and i, I mean i've pretty much been a freelancer since i was 24 so you know that's a long time i'm now 52 that's a long time of freelancing um and and it is you know it's about finding a life that feels like you so for some and people love doing a nine to five, you know, not everybody likes a free, uh, uh, freelancer life, freestyle mm. freelancer life, you know, some people like that kind of, um, um, I also, um, trained in an amazing personality profiling called disc, which is, oh, I've heard of this. And when you know, oh my gosh, it's so good. Like when you know within a team, what profile each person is, it's so much more powerful in a workspace. So a lot of what I do is go into companies and do profiling so that the blend of people working together works. Tiny things, like I remember when I was at heart, I used to, I'm so um, social, right? I'm, I'm all about the people. And so I'd get in, I'm the person that will be in the kitchen, making everyone coffee. How was your weekend? What did you watch? Did you see any good films? All the chats. And I vividly remember there was this girl who used to come in every every morning and she would walk straight past everyone in the kitchen. She wouldn't even look at you and she'd go to her desk and sit down and start working. And I'd be in the kitchen thinking, freaking rude, mm. um, you know, because we're all there essentially having an office party. And then through doing all my disc training, I discovered that some people are driven by people, some people are driven by work. And for somebody who is one of the profiles that is driven by work, she would have been thinking of her to-do list from the minute she woke up, she would have been focused on everything she's got to do when she gets to her desk. So when she gets in, she gets out of the lift, she doesn't even see everyone in the kitchen because she's focused on getting to her desk and getting the work done. And that's just how she's wired. Now, if you don't understand that, if you're someone who's driven by people, you would look at that as someone like me and go, that's rude. You could at least say hello. Mm. She probably thinks we're wasting time. So when you know in a team who is wired in what way, it's amazing because then you know how to deal with them and then you know how to email them. You know, some people, for example, uh, you should, I'm always quite chatty in an email when I open, chitty chat, chitty chat, and then I'll get to the body of what I'm saying. If somebody's what's called a high D in disc and it's too big to go into right now, but they're very task driven. They're very, let's get it done. So their dream would be for you to email them bullet points, you know, Hey Emma, pa, 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 Katie. Like I wouldn't give you any niceties. Mm. Um, if I could give you what the email was about in the subject line and it's just a subject line, even better. Like they're all about the job in hand. So it's just, it's fascinating though, like as a coach and like in the world and even watching people when you're out and about, how we're wired so differently. And it's such a cause of friction, but actually when we understand the blends around us, it's so much easier to work in a, in a powerful team and, and, and support, you know, friends and family even. Um, sorry, I digress. That wasn't. No, no, it's fine. I, I know, I um, know I did that disc training. And so I'm actually sitting on my hands because I'm not training. Sorry. I did the profiling. So there's a part of me that wants to get up my uh, results to see what I was. Cause I've completely forgotten. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And I, I did it with a client the other day. And, and so typically when clients come to me, I give them the option of whether they want it. And then they fill out the profile. She was so not into it. She's like, Oh, I don't know. I think I'm a bit cynical about it. 
and she literally couldn't believe the results. She's like, this is me to a T. And it's, but it just helps you understand more about you as well and how you operate. And you're like, okay, like if you know that you're somebody who um, is driven by people, but you've got a massive task that you need to get done, then you need to take yourself somewhere you're not going to be disturbed because it's always going to be more fun to have a little chat or you know or get off social media or whatever it is when you know how you're wired you can just do life in a more powerful way and by powerful i mean get the jobs done that you need to get done so you can go and enjoy yourself you know um i, I think I love one of it but and and i've yeah, go. Sorry. We have a very <laughs> slight sense. delay, which which listeners will probably be able to hear now. But um, it's made me think about the. Um, it's made me think about the pressure I think we put on people. And actually, I think it's a pressure that's really put on women. And it's something that's cropped up in the last five to eight years, which is this idea that you have an idea within you that can become a business that can become you can become an entrepreneur and it, with a with a society filled with entrepreneurs we don't have people looking after the infrastructure of our society and i wonder if that's why we're seeing some of the issues that we are seeing in a much broader scale but given the coaching element of it i would i would just wonder about the risk because some people just perhaps wouldn't want to take that risk and they might be listening to this thinking i actually I, my, my version of success, my definition of, of success is doing the same thing every day, getting, getting the groceries that I want to get, yeah. having my one holiday a year, and I will not be told otherwise. Whereas they might hear what I said about if I, I atrophy and think, well, up yours, because that really makes me happy and comfortable just because it makes you uncomfortable. doesn't make me bad and wrong. So I think we've got this interesting yeah. balance and sort of measure against yeah that we're putting do you see this in coaching do you see this cropping up in the way people speak to you i um i see it in corporates in as much as when you go in people are nervous that when you start coaching with somebody they're gonna go tralla bye um <laughs> but i absolutely agree i absolutely agree i think there is a big push towards this feeling that everybody has an entrepreneur within them, therefore they should allow it out. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Like, and it's back to what I was saying about, it's what success looks like to you. Success might look like feeling confident in the knowledge that you get up every day, you're at your desk at 9 a.m., you work till five, you get paid X amount a year, it goes up X amount every year, and you have a roof over your head and you have that security, right? For a lot of people, that's really important. So coaching definitely isn't everybody give everything up and go and be an entrepreneur and work, you know, work on a beach because there's not space for everyone to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of what I do within corporates is helping and equipping people to be better leaders or teams to function better together. So a lot of what I do is supporting the infrastructure, if you like. Um, and equally, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, the entrepreneur life is the tough a tough route to go they're both tough in different ways the entrepreneur life is less certain um you know if you choose to stay in um a nine to five type employment that has its challenges as well so with either life you have to build a life that's true to who you are and by that i mean getting clear on what you value what your values are in life um making sure you're living life in blend as i describe it there's a there's a complete fallacy in the world that somehow life can be in balance. 
life can never be in balance. Like we're always going to have times where work is busier or whatever, but I have what I call the limitless life pillars. Um, and there's nine pillars. They spell out limitless. Well done me. Love, impact, mates, income, tasks, which is what you do for a living. Laughs, how much fun you have in life. Environment, what you're surrounded by. Strength, which is how you fuel yourself and how you move yourself. And spirit, how are you filling up the th you? How are you, you know, staying in touch with the things that set your soul on fire? And being aware of all of those is really important because then you can pay attention to them all. But you can never have all of them a 10 and i think this is what we've been led to believe we can have and you know don't get me wrong i have all the tips and tricks i had a day last week where i was like life just feels like a lot i could quite gladly switch social media off and never switch it on again um as humans we are not built to be this tuned in to everything all of the time mm. it's just it's it's a lot for everybody and so anything that i can do to support people on this crazy journey that we're all on um and to make changes in their life that equip them to better cope with the demands on life in 23 24 um then that is something that i will do for as long as i live in, interesting did um the, what came first pillar, pillars or limitless <laughs> Because, I mean, you um, make that fit so perfectly. All right. I know. Well, a lot of coaches use a thing called a wheel of life. And I was like, I can do better than that. I already had Limitless, which is my company. Mm. And I, and then I was like, it was one of those moments, you know, when, when something's meant to be and you're like, oh, I can do that. And I just wrote out Limitless and I was like, oh, hang on, that's that. And that's that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Um, and it, but it is. And what typically happens though is that, is that overwhelm creeps in when we, you know, you're, um, you've got a busy time at work, for example, and you just fully focus on work and you forget everything else. Well, if you're not looking after your body, you're going to burn out. You know, if you're not looking after your spirit, as I describe it, and, and making yourself feel great by reading books, listening to podcasts, whatever that is for you, you're going to burn out. Like, People think that you can go all in on the task, on the work element of the life pillars, but actually it's really important that you're having enough laughs, for example, that you're having enough fun, that you're, you know, feeling enough love in your life. Like all of them are so important. And if you just focus on one, that's when you burn out. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That's actually made me think that I'm, I know that there have been times when I've sort of got on the train after a long day at work and just thought, hmm. And it could be very easy in that moment to think, I need to make a change. I need to do something completely different. I need to reevaluate everything. But even that, even that thought would feel like a huge amount of pressure. And yeah. so it's that, what am I feeling in that moment? Am I dissatisfied with my life? Or am I just physically, mentally, and emotionally displaying what's pretty obvious for somebody who works? All of us, anyone listening, I'm sure can relate to this. And actually, I just need to, get to bed early or just like make sure I eat something really nourishing yeah. or make sure I walk at the weekend. Yeah. yeah. I think we all need to be really kind to ourselves these days. We'll be right back after this short break. And it could be very easy in that moment to think I need to make a change. I need to do something completely different. I need to reevaluate 
everything. But even that, even that thought would feel like a huge amount of pressure. And so it's that, what am I feeling in that moment? Am I dissatisfied with my life? Or am I just physically, mentally, and emotionally displaying what's pretty obvious for somebody who works? All of us, anyone listening, I'm sure can relate to this. And actually, I just need to get to bed early or just like make sure I eat something really nourishing or make sure I walk at the weekend. Yeah, I think we all need to be really kind to ourselves these days. And um, I have a membership for women called the Limitless Collective. And actually, one of the things I do in there every Saturday, there's a post and it's called Self Care Saturday. And everyone has to write on there what they're doing for them that weekend. Because as women, um, we are so often all things to all people. and there's not a lot left for us. And if you don't look after you, um, so in that moment, for example, when you slump on the train, it's having the knowledge that you check in with yourself and go, okay, what is this? Am I, is this because I'm tired? Was I up super late last night? Is it just because life's a bit tiring? Is it the time of the month? Do I need to, you know, how can I best support me right now? And I think if that feeling sustains over a certain period of time, then I would think it's time to check in with yourself and potentially go and chat to somebody and explore what else might be possible for you in life. Because I think you, we all have days where life feels off, but if life just feels off for a long time, that's the time that you need to do something about it. Interesting. Yeah, because like I said, yeah. I, I definitely feel this pressure. And I think a lot of people feel a pressure that perhaps they, they shouldn't necessarily feel. But I also think that what that really does is it draws people towards finding these communities, like you were talking about the Limitless Collective. I think we're all, do you, yeah. do you find when you're coaching people that you've noticed that actually there's a real want and a need to feel part of a community or part of something that yes. perhaps people aren't yeah. really getting from their jobs or professions these days. Yeah, definitely. And I think also post pandemic, the need for community is so huge because ultimately we just want to feel seen, heard and valued. And that sense of belonging is so crucial, you know, and in the pandemic, we all would have our Zoom parties with our mates. And in the first couple of months, it was quite fun doing the Friday Zoom cocktails. And then it got really quite dull because we wanted to see people in person and physically hug people, you know. Um, And I think it's also lovely to kind of feel connected to other women who don't necessarily know you fully. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get inspired and shared, but you know that there's no agenda on their part because they're just in a membership with you and they kind of take you at face value. Um, I had a really lovely thing happen to me recently talking about taking up face value on a, on a plane. It's a really random story, but, um, there was a lady next to me with a toddler and I ended up, um, helping with her toddler cause it was quite a long flight and we got chatting and, um, she ended up being massively high up in banking. Um, but what was fascinating was afterwards, she said, uh, she sent me a message saying, Oh my God, I had no idea what you used to do for a living. Um, I showed my husband a picture of us and he's like, well, you know who that is, don't you? (laughs) And, and I, and it was so funny because I realized that actually what I miss is people coming up to me and chatting and me knowing that they're chatting to me for me and Mm -hmm. taking me as who I am now in this moment. 
And I guess that's something that comes with being the person that was once on the telly. You're never going to know, you know, when you chat to someone, you don't know if they're chatting to you because they know what you used to do or just chatting to you because they think you're nice. You know, it's funny. It was a really lovely moment for me. I was like, oh, she actually just really liked me. <laughs> it sounds so random, but and I don't really know where I'm going with telling you that story, but it was just really nice that she to kind of meet somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's um, that's why I loved it when we lived in Los Angeles. Um, that sounds very uh, fancy, doesn't it? But we, we moved to Los Angeles and it's not as fancy as it sounds. I had my first child and I was very aware that I wanted to spend more time with her. And if I stayed living here, it's really hard to turn your agent down and say, actually, I don't want to do that job or um, I wanted to take a break. Um, so in terms of a broadcast career, taking a break and moving to Los Angeles for three years is probably the worst thing that I could ever have done. But in terms of me and who I am as a human, it was the best thing I ever did because I came back grounded. I I'd just lived a normal life over there. You know, people think LA is all swanky. It, it's not, we lived near the beach, but we had a really tiny little house. Um, I literally had a single wardrobe of clothes. I lived in shorts and vests and Haviana flip-flops for three years. Um, and it was amazing. And I remember when I came home meeting up with people in broadcasting who I'd been friends with, who hadn't had that time off, who hadn't had that kind of reset. Um, and I would leave kind of lunches and stuff and think, wow, <laughs> did I used to be like that? Because it's a funny old world. I feel like I got so grounded and normal again that actually now, you know, if someone comes up to me and says, are you Katie Hill these days, it kind of makes me go, Oh no. Yeah, you're right. I, I am. I did used to be, you know, I, I, <laughs> I do forget that side of life now a little bit. Um, and it well, is lovely when you're taking face value. Funnily, when I realized that you had lived in LA, I thought, I wonder if that feeds into what you're doing now because coaching, personal development, empowerment. I mean, LA is kind of the hub of all of those things. Yeah. A lot of it started there. Is that where it sort of got your attention? No, no, <laughs> if anything, it, I was probably more put off it living there truthfully because I felt like every other person I met was referencing their therapist. And I was like, where even am I that everyone is this obsessed with themselves that they're- You're in LA. You're yeah, like, <laughs> So true, <laughs> I know. But I was like, really? What happened to just living? Um, no, I think the coaching thing actually came when I left Heart in 2017. Someone just said to me, why don't you do a course in neuro-linguistic programming, which is mm. um, kind of the study on how the brain works and how we operate at a base level. And so I did a course in that just innocently thinking that will be interesting. And I found it fascinating. And then someone said, why don't you do a coach course? And again, it wasn't with a view to becoming a coach. I didn't have any great plan. It was truthfully that I thought this is just going to be fascinating. And I think it was so fascinating. And it was such a wake up call for me that I'd always been reasonably into personal development. And there was stuff that I learned in coaching that I'd never heard of and i'm like how am i nearly 50 and i didn't know all this stuff you know and so i mean it would be amazing to roll a program out in schools would be mm. incredible you know my poor kids i'm forever <laughs> 
forever not coaching them but kind of you know if I can help with something then I will or if I have a tool or something you know and they're like yeah mummy yeah mummy life lesson you know I'm always like hmm and what what would we do about that you know um but it's um yeah so I think so yeah no definitely didn't start in LA that probably would have put me off it but I but there are other countries that are way more ahead on this stuff than we are um we are slowly waking up but again it's a similar thing that we're not very good at prioritizing ourselves and the thought of paying for coaching or something is like oh no i couldn't possibly or like massage for example in some countries in europe massage is viewed as almost medicinal like people have a massage a week to keep everything functioning as it should you know now if you said in the uk i have a massage every week people would look at you like you were some kind of fancy <laughs> who does she think she is actually you probably do have a massage a week <laughs> in no. what you do no okay <laughs> i hate treatments it's the, i am the worst <gasps> beauty i hate them oh want, my gosh i hate plinky plonky music i hate i hate artificial relax relaxation this idea that i i Oh, I, I really, wow. really dislike them. If I if I go for a massage, I go for a very, very cheap one. I like, there's a woman across the road. She's a tiny South Asian woman and she stands on me. I'm in, I'm in a considerable amount of pain for a decent amount of time, but I feel great afterwards and it costs barely anything. And with a facial, I want a result. I don't want plinky plonky music. Don't spend yeah. 15 minute cleansing my face. I want you to use yeah. a grade of ingredient that I cannot use yeah. in my own home. And I want, and I, and I can't even be bothered to do that, to be honest, because I'm then like, well, then I've got to get the train home. <gasps> so I just, I don't care for treatments. I'm not a treatment person. <laughs> I don't care for treatments. I'm sorry. I don't care for treatments. That's amazing. I am with you though. Don't put a face mask on me and leave the room. No, 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 no. I remember someone once doing a facial and I probably haven't had a facial since I was 20, a facial, mm. facial, a kind of mm. massagey facial. I've obviously had other things, but I haven't had a massage facial. Um, but I remember one person giving me a facial and she put a mask on. But instead of leaving the room for 15 minutes, like everybody else did, she gave me a hand massage. And I was like, I'm applying your ethos to my life mm-hmm. because go the extra mile, give the ruddy hand massage. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're, in a job where you're working with people like just go the extra mile because it means so much you know don't don't mm. take the shortcut and go and have a cup of coffee and <laughs> go 15 minutes of face mask love it no you're right and actually I was thinking then when I'm talking about not liking treatments I kind of I'm wondering actually if I'm re- being really honest about it is it actually a sort of an inability to make time for myself is it that actually when I'm lying there having a treatment, I have a low level of anxiety about being unavailable and not wanting to say, oh, I was doing a nice thing for myself? <laughs> yeah, that's so true, because I think that might be that because we're so switched on all the time, aren't we? Um, and I think the hardest thing you can do, I was listening to a podcast the other day, I think it was on the Jake Humphreys High Performance Podcast. Mm, great show. And there was somebody talking about the hardest thing you can do is to have to sit um with your eyes shut for 15 minutes but doing nothing so you're not sleeping they were talking about meditating that was what Mm -hmm. it was 
and that makes me twitchy like i i was sharing with somebody the other day about how there's this amazing yoga that i that i do on a sunday it's 90 minutes and it's yin and yang so oh, half of it is the yoga. power oh 45 minutes of power but then 45 minutes of the stretching mm. the breathing that's the hardest 45 minutes in my week because i'm lying there and i realize that whenever i do yoga online the minute they do the savasana bit at the end where it's like lie here and i'm out i'm i'm mm -hmm. already on my to-do list what is that i can't literally lie there for five minutes i mean imagine me in this class of 45 minutes <laughs> but it was a it was a real moment when i realized that about myself and recognized myself and i was like okay i need to slow down because mm. if i can't gift myself this 45 minutes of breathing and stretching my poor ligaments then something's wrong um and i think i think it's i think it's a a, a definite thing of struggling with focusing on you or struggling with gifting yourself that time because there's always more to do mm. there is there's, and i think that's another entrepreneur thing actually is you know, if you are in a nine to five currently and you're thinking, oh, um, you know, the grass is greener in the entrepreneur world, you are never off duty. I will just give you that thought. As an entrepreneur, I know if I do more, if I put more on social media, if I have more conversations, I have more clients. Mm. But at some point you have to go, you have to know your boundaries and actually, um, knowing your boundaries is is such a powerful thing and actually keeping them in place is really important because I, I sorry go ahead no i was going to say i heard such a great analogy the other day for boundaries because we all get annoyed when people cross boundaries don't we and we're like oh they should have known why are they ringing me now why blah blah blah, blah. and the question is have you got powerful boundaries in place because being annoyed that somebody crossed the boundary when you haven't put it in place and made it clear is a bit like, and this is such a great analogy, the storm blowing your fence down, you don't bother to put it back up, but then you get annoyed when your, your neighbours come traipsing over the garden. And it's so good, right? Mm. It's like often we get annoyed that people have crossed boundaries, but they didn't even know what the boundary was. Yeah. Did so, you... you know, that's another thing that we work on. Was it a risk for you to reinvent yourself as a coach? I don't know if you would describe it that way, but that's how it kind of looks on paper. Yeah. When actually you probably always would have got work as a broadcaster. You've got such an incredible career of broadcasting behind you that it, it feels a little bit like leaving the safety net as such and also putting, putting yourself out on a limb, really. Yeah. And also something I only realized a couple of years ago is that I actually think being very known for one thing is a disadvantage because most coaches that you would come across, you would just see them and go, oh yeah, they're a coach and you would absolutely accept them for who they are today. Mm. And when you've been very public, um, you would go, hang on, I thought she was a broadcaster, now she's a coach. So actually, I suddenly had a moment a couple of years ago of going, oh my gosh, I feel like I've got to work even harder than every other coach out there to prove myself in this arena. And 
everybody gets imposter syndrome but you imagine if you've been really well known in one arena to suddenly switch into another you know and don't get me wrong if an amazing broadcast gig came up that marries my experience in broadcast with what i do now as a coach that would be amazing um but truthfully there there aren't that many broadcast gigs that excite me really um i feel like when i started in broadcasting in the 90s you know it was such an amazing time for broadcasting and we got to do such amazing things and now i just feel like everything's kind of watered down um and it just wasn't exciting me anymore so i found a career that did and 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 it feels like me you know that mm -hmm. i think that's what i work with people on you find something that sets your soul on fire and excites you now it's not about who you were when you were 24 yes i had a great career in a certain way but in terms of feeling fulfilled i feel way more fulfilled now on this journey um is that so, yeah. because is that because you know what makes you happy now whereas perhaps in the past you were still looking for it whereas now you've got a very clear idea of that these these needs must be met in order for me to feel a certain way yeah, 100%. I know what fulfillment looks like for me. I know what my limitless life looks like. And I take steps every day to make sure that I live it. Um, and I, you know, and I definitely don't take life for granted. And I think, you know, um, there's a lot that's amazing about the broadcast industry, but there's a lot that I don't love, really, if I'm truthful. Um, it's quite surface. I've never been somebody who's surface. Um, and and so for me, having something now that is just about deep diving with people and actually before we started recording, um, you know, you and I were talking about how people don't listen to each other. Like I get to properly listen to my clients mm. in every single way and seeing women come to me, you know, in one state and leave in a completely different state is amazing and you know none of it's rocket science but we just don't ever ask ourselves these questions mm. so my job as a coach um it's about asking questions really only only every individual has the answers for their life and every individual has the blueprint for what their limitless life looks like and mm. i help them uncover it that's what we do um but it's just about me being human and listening and normal and um yeah I, I sometimes when people come on the call they're like oh my gosh I was a bit nervous to meet you and so that's another thing for me you know that kills me because I'm like oh my gosh like I'm just me now you know mm. I, there's no there's no fanciness that I mean there mm. never was any fanciness let's be honest but um yeah I I love getting to to know people and and I you know keep in touch with clients when they leave as well because you go on such an amazing journey yeah. it's yeah it's it's, it's really it's, it's really wonderful seeing somebody kind of figure it out and I remember I did a makeup artistry course years ago with an incredible makeup artist called David Horn one of the other girls that was on the course was having a really difficult time in her job like really not great and was very much at a crossroads with it emotionally and was evaluating the risk ahead of her if she jumped and we had a, we stayed behind after the class one night and David and I and this girl had a really long chat about it. And we both felt that she would be absolutely fine if we took if she took the leap. But we we didn't we weren't sure whether she 
had the same confidence in her abilities as we did. And then the next morning, I think I was there quite early and I was at the back of the classroom with David and she walked in and she was wearing the most beautiful, bright lipstick. And we nudged each other and she went, she's going to do it. And she came right over and said, I slept on it. I have, I'm going to do it. And she's been thriving ever since. So it's amazing, isn't it? <gasps> how it shows up, how yeah. it shows up. In yeah. People. It's amazing. And it's, but it's, it's such a, like, it, I feel it's such a gift, this work that I get to do with people because people don't see them. People lose sight of who they are and they start living life according to what they think other people want them to be, what they think society wants them to be. And it's like, what are you, like, who are you? Who do you want to be? And how can we unpack that? And then how can we together create this amazing life that's going to feel like you and yeah. when you know about coaching stuff it underpins everything like values life values for example um one of the things that's always massively triggered me in life has been and it's so ridiculous so you know i live in a little village and um often you'll have to sit in your car in a kind of lay-by while you let the other car you give way basically yeah yeah the thing that the thing that makes me inwardly go naught to 100 faster than anything is if you've let someone pass and you've sat there for ages no. and they don't say thank you and they don't say thank you right and it always just really wound me up and then when i became a coach and i did my values and everything i was like oh my god i've got a value of justice and mm. so for me that triggers me because it's like that so goes against my value of justice because that feels unfair in a in an everyday example the fact that I waited all that time to let you through and you didn't say thank you. Um, and so actually my clients check in with their values, you know, the whole time and and um, make sure that they lived uh, in line with them that day or it makes sense of why things wound them mm. up that day and what might they do differently tomorrow. And there's so much we can equip ourselves with. Um, it's amazing. I mean, actually, and I can send you this so you can put it, um, we'll put this in the show notes, but um i've got a free pdf that people can download if they want and it's essentially for you if you feel a little bit not like you but you don't yeah. really know how it's called five steps back to you it's super easy but it's things that you might not have thought of really simple tweaks you can make and go oh okay that makes sense i'm gonna put that in my life but that's a really brilliant place to start if you're feeling like you don't feel like you like life mm. feels off but you don't know why um yeah but so what how do you how do you manage that because people aren't always going to acknowledge that you gave them right of way so what do you do because you yeah. can't change them but you can change you change me 100 percent. so i um notice it in myself and i calm myself down because now that knowledge is power right once you know why something triggers you it sort of takes the heat out of it and you don't drive along going, oh, it's generally men of a certain age, if I'm honest, <laughs> which really, really winds me up when I see them approaching. Um, but uh, yeah, it kind of takes the heat out of it because you kind of inwardly feel yourself getting annoyed and then you're like, oh, that's why, it's my value. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it kind of um, stops it from escalating into something that don't get me wrong, this makes me sound like I'm a, a road rager. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it just, I think that's the thing with coaching and all of these amazing questions and tools and techniques. Life just starts making sense. Mm -hmm. And I describe it as when I was at heart and life just felt off, I was living life by default. 
like there was nothing wrong with it but it was just the life that had unfolded and how yeah. I describe it is I put people back in the driver's seat and we start living by design because we yeah. are all designing whether we whether we're conscious of it or not we're designing our life every single day mm. you wake up and you're choosing whether you let the rain impact your day or not whether you um you know how you show up to work like we're all choosing our reality it, yeah. it feels like life is happening to you but it's yes. actually not like you you can change so much that will absolutely transform your day and it is that thing it's the control your controllables you know you can't stop you can't change the rain but you can change how you react to the rain yeah. um and you can change your mindset you know there's another amazing mindset switch for people it's like you know say you're struggling with the commute for example so instead of using the word get um sorry instead of got to switch it to get to so mm. instead of thinking oh i've got to commute oh i've got to get on the train oh switch it in a more positive to get to i get to get on the train to go to a job that enables me to put food on the table for my family live in a gorgeous house you know mm. all of that stuff it just when you put yourself in a in a space of um possibility and yeah. the fact that you're choosing to get on that train i get to get on the train because i've got an amazing job and i live in a you know country where um we're well supported and all of that you know it all of this mindset stuff is so powerful mm. um I'm, I'm funnily enough i i'm about to restart my own podcast and i've got a sleep expert coming on um and she has done the a huge amount of research into the fact that um, the impact sleep has on you more than the sleep you actually had is your opinion of the sleep you had the night before. Mm -hmm. So it's your mind, right? You're telling yeah. yourself things all the time. Like if you wake up and go, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I had such a terrible night. Maybe you didn't, but that is going to impact you way more than the sleep that you actually had. So I'm fascinated by the whole mindset area and, um, you know, equipping yourself in the most powerful way. So I can't wait to have her on and chat. Sounds very interesting. I have enjoyed chatting to you. I have enjoyed learning about Limitless by Katie Hill. Yay, and yay. I hope that for anyone listening who has been feeling stuck or overwhelmed or just that, is it always going to be like this? I hope that they understand now that they can be an agent of change. So um, I will obviously yeah. put the links to you, Katie, and to Limitless and to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. But thanks for coming on. Do you know what? It's been lovely. And I think if I could leave everyone with one thing, it would just be to not look at everybody around you and think they've got life sorted. You would look at me in life and think I've got it sorted. You would listen to the intro that Emma did and go, oh, my goodness. I've had shit seasons of life, I'll be honest, really. No one would know about it because I haven't massively talked about things, but I've had some really tough times and we are all choosing how we move forward from things that happen to us. And I mm -hmm. think particularly in this social media age that we live in, where it's really easy to think everyone's got it sorted. Nobody's got it sorted. We're all muddling through, but yeah. if you can equip yourself better, to better muddle then let's be good muddlers rather than you know feeling powerless about it but life is hard and I don't want anyone being under any illusion that I live some gilded life like no I don't it's you know life is life right and it's about making sure that there was a wonderful quote by a guy called Robin Sharma 
And he said, don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life. Mm. It's freaking happening, you know, and make sure you're living a life that excites you and makes you feel like you. Oh, we are. Thank you, Katie. Live your yeah. limitless life. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Ever Gun Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one.